It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and I always have such a good time spending a Sunday morning with you here on uh, 94.1. As I say, it's a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive, and well. We talk about the church. We talk about what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. We do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And uh, that has worked very, very well now for 1,043 shows today. And I have in the studio a gentleman that I've just met here just a little while ago, Jaworski Vance. And uh, he has a ministry, and I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody with this type of a ministry. I'm going to tell you, it's called Fathers, Brothers, and Sons. Mm-hmm. FBS Fireside is the name of a radio show that he does. Brother Vance, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brother King. I'm looking forward to hearing all about this. Or should I say Pastor King? Pastor King, Brother King is good. I, I, I appreciate the respect either way. <laughs> That's my guy. So tell me about the ministry. What is it that you're doing? Well, Fathers, Brothers, and Sons is uh, basically a men's ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily, um, our mission is to uh, deal with fatherlessness and racial reconciliation. Okay. Yeah. A racial reconciliation, especially in the church. You know. And how did you go about doing this? Well, I go throughout the community talking to different men from different churches, which is why I'm glad to be here, who aren't black. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to talk to uh, brothers from white churches to get them involved in some of the other things that we do with FBS, like fatherhood training and mentoring, teaching kids how to live a wholesome life. Mm-hmm. So now the emphasis that you are placing here upon the, the black and the white, are, mm-hmm. are, are we seeing there's issues here that we need to, to know about to deal with? Well, yeah, from my perspective. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'm from uh, Mississippi. Okay. So <laughs> growing up in Mississippi, I grew up with a lot of hatred and you know discrimination that I was taught okay. um, from things that I noticed and from things that I experienced. Uh-huh. Did you say you were taught? Oh, yeah. From who? Society. Society and my family. Okay. You know, even to this day, you know, there's still conversations that about race. Everything right. is packaged in this response was race based versus human based. Uh-huh. So, you know, the culture is that way. Well, I, I'm just curious about that because uh, um, we're often uh, become what we've been taught by parents, aunts, uncles, whoever influences in our lives. And a lot of it, which is what causes things to be ongoing. In other words, if you if you take the, the same person, put him in a different culture, he may have a different mindset because of things that's been in, he's been indoctrinated to as such. So you're, am I getting the impression that, that you're wanting to be a bridge here? Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. I know that that's why I was sent to the earth. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Now, how, did, how does the bridge work? 
Well, I mean, part of the bridge works by saying yes to invitations to talk to people from different cultures. Okay. You know, like I did tonight. Now, when you you get a chance to do that, what is it that you're telling folks? Well, first, I talk to them about them. Okay. You know, I think it's important for us to be like Christ and that we show compassion and condescend to the other person. Okay. Yeah. Well, and of course, this is the very heart of what the what our Lord teaches us about being a servant. And, uh, right. Interesting enough, my my Sunday morning sermon last Sunday was uh, was about that that very thing because uh, Jesus had overheard his disciples arguing among themselves about because uh, he he just told them he said somebody's going to betray me of that group he said somebody's going to betray me. And so they were arguing about it since they were striving. And then the, the argument escalated to the point to where they were talking about which one of us is the greatest. And that's when Jesus stepped in and he began to talk about service, serving one another. And, and uh, when I think about the concept of serving, I'm talking about I'm here to serve my fellow man regardless of their race, their culture, or whatever, if I'm allowed to. Now, does that trigger anything when you say when I say if you're allowed to? Because people have to give you permission to speak into the lives. This is true. And so, what have you experienced here? Well, it's interesting you should say that because that's where the being the bridge comes in, right? I mentor, I, I train kids on how to play golf once okay. a week. Okay. And recently, uh, with FCA and uh, local Bible study, I was able to recruit some. Uh, white males from other churches. Okay. Right? And one of the unique things I realized is that I can serve as a uh, conduit okay. for permission. Right. right. A, a liaison. A liaison. Two. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. A liaison to kind of mitigate some of the struggles that young minority kids may deal with and also what the men are dealing with, right? Right. Because they want to help, but it's like, how do I help? How do well, I get that permission? Well, a lot of times it's, it's got to be understanding. We have to be able to understand one another because if, if, if indeed we've come from different cultures, different ways, different thoughts, if we can get past the color issue and get to know one another, who, who are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I mean, uh, most people, if you've not lived in that culture, you, you don't understand it as such. It becomes a bridge. I remember one time, mm-hmm. this has been... Uh, 25, maybe 30 years ago. Okay, well, maybe not that long. But anyway, we put together, and I didn't put it together, my, my regional superintendent, I'm a part of the Open Bible Churches, okay? He put together a men's retreat. And we did this retreat for probably 20 years, okay? The first one, we had some brethren from a, a black church, or several black churches, and we had brethren from white churches. The thing about it is that these men had never really interacted before with another culture mm-hmm. or another race. And and it was a beautiful thing that happened in that weekend because at first, I mean, there were walls. <laughs> right. But through the process of the weekend, conversation began to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this in my, my life. I, I remember seeing this, this big guy, he was a white guy, who stood up on the, the, one of the last services just squalling. Mm. <laughs> and he said, he says, I've never got to know somebody who was not white. And he says, 
you were just like me. <laughs> that was an amazing thing to yeah. watch that transformation. Mm-hmm. So, your, your golf thing, you did, mm-hmm. did you say you did that today? I do it on Mondays. Mondays. Yeah. So, you bring, uh, you, you're, you're trying to find young men to be able to, to go to teach them golf, right? Yeah, no, actually, I have a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of the okay. Big Men. Okay. And we teach those kids golf. Okay. Every Monday, we go now, character development, golf instruction. Now, are these predominantly black children? All black, black, black every, men. Every now, every now and then, we may have some uh, Latino, Hispanic kids, right? But predominantly black kids. So then, as a result of that, you're you're looking for men to come and work with you during these golf outings. Men of faith. Yes. Men of faith. <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, men of faith. And and during that time, you get both black and white or Latino or whatever? Yeah, actually, um, recently we've got an influx of uh, white brothers to commit to participate. And how's that going? It's going great. It's going great. I met with them this week, and uh, actually they, they haven't met with the children yet, okay. but the conversations we've had, we've actually had a couple of... Um, what you would call training sessions on how we would interact, how they would interact or can interact, how right. we all interact to integrate them into what the children are doing. Right. And it's been wonderful. Okay. You know, the enthusiasm that they've shown, the commitment um, is very inspirational. But they have not engaged yet with the children or the no, young people. No, they haven't. They okay. haven't touched a child. Okay. Yet. So when's that going to happen? Uh, next Monday. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I'm I'm fascinated by this. So, so if I've if I feel like I'm or if I sound like I'm kind of stumbling in the dark here because I'm it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand everything mm-hmm. again and also give you my perspective of things. I'm so used to working with cross culture that it just doesn't phase me. I, I I don't have the same thoughts and mindsets that a lot of people do. It's just, um, and, and you've met my son, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that's the way he was raised. We just we just don't we just don't think on these things mm-hmm. because to to us people are people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I work with with all different cultures and things. Of course, here on the, in this radio show, I have people from all kinds of, of colors, you know, different views of things. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just people. Right. So that's my perspective. And and you're showing telling telling us here, if I'm understanding this correctly, that that's not necessarily the way it is all over the world. Yeah, no way, shape, or form. Okay. No. And so, what has been your perspective? I mean, these men that that have that have come to be a part of it, and are they have any resistance, or are they say, "Hey, I'm here to learn something," or what? What are you What are you hearing? Yeah, um, they actually looking to me to educate them on how to mentor uh, and be servants which right. I thought was interesting right you know because they see race as a hurdle uh, to doing it unfortunately I mean have they expressed why well yeah for the same reason you said earlier you know I've never really interacted with anybody from another culture mm-hmm. so I don't really know what to expect or how, right. how right. to expect and I can understand why they would say that it's also kind of hurtful. To Why is that? Hurtful, or, uh, hurtful might not be the best word. Sad, I think it is. I think that would be a better word. Yeah. yeah. It's sad to think that spirit-filled people 
feel as though they can't connect with other people because of their skin color. Because they're yeah. just children. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're children. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't really know all of these concepts that, you know, we have kind of taught each other about race and But the thing about it is separation. what you said earlier when you talk about, okay, the things that you were taught by your culture has become ingrained in you the same way if, if it's a white culture or a Hispanic culture or whatever. And if, if this is the way people are being raised, then that's going to continue that way. Correct. Uh, you, you ever heard the uh, uh, 60s song? <laughs> you told me what year you were born in there. So you, I think this might have been after 60s. And, and I've had different people tell me of different groups. But the lyrics are, I knew a man and, uh, that I did not care for. But then one day that man gave me a call. We sit and talked about things on our mind. And now that man is a friend of mine. Hmm. Uh, you ever heard the song? Never heard that song. It's, uh, it, the, the lyrics are, reach out in the darkness. Yeah. Mm. But that, you, think about those lyrics. It says, I knew a man that I did not care for. But then one day, this man gave me a call. We sit and talked. Hey. <laughs> I think we just established a key here, didn't we? Right. We sit and talked. We sit and talked about things on our mind. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that we're both human. And see, I look at it this way. I think that people ought to be able to just live their lives and be pursuit of their occupation, take care of their families, raise their families, have a good life. <laughs> and I want that for everybody. I don't care who it is. I just want everybody just just, just have a good life. But for what we're, I think we're establishing here is that it's not always that way. In other words, not everybody wishes that for everybody. And sometimes the barrier would be nothing, nothing other than color. Right. And to me, the words you said, that's sad. Hmm. I find that to be very sad. Yeah. So, so it, is, it is sad. Pretty unfortunate. So you're trying to break through that with your, with your golf. And, and uh, let me establish, I'm assuming you're a good golfer. I, I'm okay. I can hold my own. <laughs> well, you're teaching. <laughs> So, where did you pick that up? At? Well, I mean, it's easier to coach, you know. Like Butch Harmon didn't know tour, but he was a good coach. But I'm sorry, what, what was your question? Where did you pick golf at, up at? I uh, I used to work at Dillard's Men's Shoes, and there was a white gentleman named Bill Watts, okay, who insisted that I pick up the game because we worked together. Okay, Bill was a retired Army vet, and he saw that I had a lot of the defining character traits that made a good golfer. Really? Yeah. And he made me a set of clubs. He he was a golfsmith. Uh -huh. He made me a set of clubs, and I said, man, I'm not playing on golf. Who plays golf? I'm, I'm playing basketball. Okay? Uh -huh. I don't have time for that. Then one day, uh, a year after he gave me the clubs, I said, well, for my birthday, let me go out here and see what he's talking about. And I've been playing golf ever since. So he gave you the clubs, and they set for a year. They set for a year. I would, <laughs> look, and that's, that's, my, that's my one regret in life. <laughs> Okay, do you hear me? My one regret. Only life. one. Only one. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's now. the only regret I have in life. That's crazy, isn't it? So, but you know, I do stuff like that all the time. People give me stuff and it goes in the closet or whatever. Right. And, uh, and the funny thing about it is my dad used to do that and used to just drive me crazy. <sighs> we become our fathers. <laughs> Evidently. So, so, so you learn to play golf. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Now, you, you said something for me. What did you say? He, he felt like it, you had the temperament. Did I, am I got that right? To play golf. What yeah. what kind of temperament you have to have to play golf? Well, I mean, he he described it as, he said, Jaworski, you, you're very smart. you obviously very athletic. And um, you pay attention to details. Okay. And you like a challenge. All right. So... Okay, so you 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 finally get the clubs. And said, it's my birthday. I'm going to go, what play golf? Yeah, I'm going to go see what Bill is talking about because so he he won't leave me alone about it. So did you go with him? No, no, I didn't. I didn't tell him I went. I just went out there on my own one day and tried to hit the ball and I couldn't hit the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make sense if you never had never tried it before. So 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 okay. How did you learn? Well, I just kept trying to hit it, and really? I got I got some books. I never took a, uh, I didn't take a class. I didn't get any instructions. I just got a book, um, read about it, and I went out there and just kind of learned through trial and error. I mean, <laughs> Pastor King, I'm from Mississippi. And okay. I don't know if you know this, but if you are a black man from Mississippi, and this is probably not a real fair stereotype, but in my experiences, we're kind of prideful people. Okay. You know, we don't really ask for help. And we like to figure things out on our own. Okay. So you see all these little knots I have on right, my head right, right here. Okay. <laughs> that comes from learning things on my well, own. Well, you know, that kind of sounds like you, you could have been from Kentucky. <laughs> 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 because that sounds vaguely familiar to me. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, us Kentuckys are known for being stubborn. <laughs> oh, is that the word I was looking for? Yeah. Yeah, we're stubborn. Yeah. But but okay, so you taught yourself how to play golf. Yeah, as such, pretty much. And then somewhere along the line, you you figured out that this might be a good tool. To, yeah, to use to to uh, be that bridge that you're looking to be. Oh yeah, it's been an amazing process. Okay, you know, I mean, even from the inception of me playing, because right. like I said, Bill was Bill was the kind of guy that I would not talk to. Because he was a retired army vet, he was alcoholic, um, amazing heart though, mm -hmm. you know. But he had a real thick southern accent, you know, Dworsky, uh, you know. <laughs> and from Mississippi, anybody talk like that, I I associated three letters K K K. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm from Mississippi, okay. man. It's deep, over. It's thick. Yeah. Racism and discrimination is thick. Okay. Well, I mean, I've have I ever been to Mississippi? I think I, I think I have driven through Mississippi. I don't really know much about the culture, but I mean I've lived right here next to South Georgia for almost fifty years, and so, and you know, the thing about um, racial disharmony is not necessarily unique to one area. It, it's it's everywhere if you want to find it. Right. But the thing about it is that um, the more you get to know somebody the less that can be because you, again you begin to identify people as just we're just people right <laughs> we're exactly. just people yeah because okay. Bill Bill definitely was an extraordinary man with an amazing heart who loved me to death and I loved him too I would often go over to his house and see the same person in a totally different way why's that because he loved me uh huh wait, 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 wait different from what from when he was at work no, different from what I perceive. Uh -huh. Di different from my uh -huh. prejudice. You know, he still had the deep southern accent. Right. He still was, you know, Bill. Yeah. And 
Well, now, did you perceive him as being prejudiced? No. No. Not at all. Right. But that's not that's not what I perceive from our initial interactions. Uh-huh. You know? Because okay. because of the blinders that okay. you know, and I, think, I was wearing. I think we're we're we're, we're making a point here, aren't we? Right. In, in other words, education interaction can change all of that. And uh um well, but the thing is, is it if you go to go, go on a job, and, and and there on the job you have different cultures, you get working together. After a while, people begin to build friendships and, and bonds mm-hmm. and, and things, and we get beyond all of these things because what was it the the Dr. Martin Luther King taught us? He said, "Judge a man what not by the color, the color of his skin, skin, but the content of his character." Well, I tell you what. I'd really like for us as human people to really hone in on that, mm-hmm. you know, and really embrace that concept because I think it's a beautiful concept to look mm-hmm. look at the the content of their character mm-hmm. and not the color of their skin. I right. Like that. So now, uh, your experiment with the golf. Let's go back to that. Okay. Okay. You've got uh, different cultures now coming to your training, right? Right. Okay. How did that go? Let's say, how, how, okay, what is the breakdown of the men you have working with you now? So many whites, so many blacks, so many. Well, I mean, I can't give you a number because the black males have been pretty um, steady, but okay, at different moments. Right. So has has the, the in, injection of the white men fairly recent? Yeah, okay. yeah. Remember, I this was our first meeting with yeah. them. Well, no, it's not our first meeting, but I've been training with them for maybe two months now. Okay, and okay. their first meeting with with the children will be it's, next. It's coming next up. Week. Yeah, but how has it gone in, in, as far as the relationship between you all and the different men of your group? Is everybody seem to be gelling together? It's been amazing. Really, you know, it's really been divine. To be okay. honest with you, it's uh, it's been a very spiritual experience okay because we sit down and we talk you know right. like like we're doing okay and one of the reasons i'm serving as the bridge is because i can communicate what's happened to me share my testimony with them okay while also doing what i told you at first you know finding out about them and helping them to understand that there's some commonalities that mm-hmm. you know far exceed our, our skin color. All right. Okay, two directions I want to go here. Okay. One, let's just talk about um, the whole concept of the ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole thing, fathers, uh, so was it fathers, brothers, sons. Mm-hmm. How long has that been around? I started it officially in 2015. So, so six, about six years. years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and where are we going with it? What is, what is the ultimate objective? The ultimate objective is to train children. That's the son's aspect. Uh, the brother's aspect is to bring men of faith together across cultures in the church. And the father's aspect is to support the ministry as a whole with resources so that the brothers can continue to bond through brotherhood bonding events and provide resources to take care of the kids. Okay. And what happened in your life that caused you to say, I need to start this ministry? Well, a lot of things, but two things we already touched on. One, growing up in Mississippi, okay. a very racially divisive state, 
And then two, um, this was probably more significant than the first, is my father killed himself a week before my ninth birthday. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so I grew up um, angry and mad at God. Okay. Because of what happened with him. But something happened six years ago that caused you to say, hey, I need to start this ministry. I know you, you all these things are combinations of, of things, but it seemed to me like there had to have been something. <laughs> well, mm, I think um, it really didn't happen six years ago. Six years was when I activated it. Ah, but okay. God had already, like I said, I've been sent into the earth to do this. So uh -huh. it really even happened before the suicide. Okay. You know, it was something that God had already ordained for my steps. Okay. But, but to speak more practically about it, uh, maybe five years before I started, no, it was longer than that. Maybe, no, it was about five years before I, I formally started Fathers, Brothers, and Sons. God told me He was calling me out of my full time employment to do it. Okay. And, well, I, and that, I, I find that to be. Quite often, people who have been on the radio show here with me, and I ask him about the dream because I'm, I'm big about dreams, you know, dreams mm -hmm. and visions and stories of faith. That's I wrote a whole book about it, and uh, uh, I'm all about people just following their dreams and such. But mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people, as they as they come here on the show and they tell me about it, God laid something on their heart maybe ten, fifteen years before they ever do anything. Right, and that's kind of what you're describing here. Uh, I talk about a lady in my book that. Uh, uh, her name is Frankie Johnson, and Frankie uh, was a, a, a young black woman who, I don't know what happened to her husband or whatever, but she's raising three children, and and, uh, and the idea of starting a ministry was just not something there. But one day, the church she attended, a letter showed up at the church addressed to no one in particular, and it was from a prisoner. And... Uh, she worked at the church volunteer just part time and she saw that letter when she saw that letter she knew that letter was intended for her mm. and God just dropped that in her heart that she needed to go to the presence and start ministering but it was 10 years before she ever went to a prison mm. <laughs> and then the story of her life she's been in prisons all over all over the country mm. taking teams in uh, the worship praise and preaching <laughs> but see that's what I'm saying that's amazing so God had laid that on your heart but it took a while for the maturity to happen correct okay. so you started the ministry did you fully know exactly what the ministry was going to do when you started it no it was just in C form right right and it's, but it's been six years yeah okay so you're doing the thing where you're you're bringing young people in to teach them golf, and you're bringing men to mentor there. What other things are we doing? Yeah, well, just I want to add with the the golf. It's not really just about the golf. I just use golf as a sure, kind, kind a of do it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's really more about life skills and character development. Yeah, yeah. And Coach Chesky, I heard him say that same thing. He said basketball is just a just a tool I use to be able to work with young men. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And golf is just a tool that I use to bring people together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what are some of the other things that you're doing? Yeah, uh, one of the other things that we're doing is 24-7 uh, dad fatherhood training. Okay. Yeah, we teach dads how to be better dads by, uh, it's a 12-week program, uh, two hours a week. Okay. The 24 and the 24-7. And we teach them self-care, self-awareness, parenting skills, relationship skills, and fathering skills. 
Now, where did the uh, teachings come from? It's a National Fatherhood Initiative. It's a national organization that's dedicated to uh, dealing with fatherlessness. They provide a, a wealth of information, curriculums, and okay. uh, trainings for us to help men. Now, did you know about that material when you started this, or, or was it part of the, the, the deal? <laughs> no, no, it was just part of the, the evolution yeah. of fathers, brothers, and sons. You know, just following after what God has told me to do. Okay. to the best of my abilities and I, I can't really even remember how NFI appeared on the radar and I think back but we've got a great relationship with it, them. It, it met a need at the time so yeah. so is this something you do on a regular basis like you have them come in for a class or how does that work yeah I mean we, we haven't had a class since the summer uh, because we had funding from the Florida Ounce Prevention that we recently uh, lost uh, to provide the training because of course you know it costs money to provide training for men you got to have facilities you got to have food etc right. so uh, we haven't done a class and then not only that uh, we've been focusing on the golf program and the racial reconciliation brotherhood component of the nonprofit. so the fatherhood training is on hold okay so right now for a firm period of time now, now you've mentioned uh Facilities and this type of thing. Is there a place where this happens? Or yeah, we were having it at the Institute for Nonprofit uh, Innovation and Excellence downtown in Clayman Plaza. Yeah, they've got a great facility because we're a member over there. Okay. Fathers, brothers, and sons is, and they provide a nice training room with. Really, I've oh, never yeah. I've never heard of this place. It's really nice. Now, it's, now who has where, where's it come from? Institute of Nonprofit yeah. Innovation and Excellence. Um, it's an organization that was started by TCC, I believe, maybe seven years ago. Really? And it's a core, it's basically an association of nonprofit organizations, and they teach, this headquarters teaches nonprofits how to do nonprofit management a lot better. They provide funding uh, support, research for grants, strategic really? planning, classes. Yeah, board governance. They just give a lot of uh, resources to help. Now, are they still kind of connected to TCC? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're in the, the building that they're in, I think, is the TCC. I don't know the name of it, but yeah, they're still but, affiliated but with But it's TCC. in Clayman Plaza, which is downtown. Right, in Clayman Plaza, right behind City Hall. Wow. I think I need to get to know about this ministry. You should. <laughs> See, that's one thing about it, Brother, Brother Vance said. Here on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show, I tell people this all the time. I say, if you listen, you might just learn something. Because <laughs> we get all lots of good information here. And, right. and, uh, so that, that's going to help me because I need to get in touch with those folks. Uh, so so, so, so they, have they helped you as far as getting grants and stuff for, the, for this thing? Oh, yeah. That, well, I haven't received a, awarded a grant yet okay. through that process. But, yeah, they do a good job of letting you know what grants are available that you can apply for. Okay. Yeah. Now, this ministry, uh, Fathers, Brothers, Sons, mm -hmm. is this what you do full time? No, it's a part-time effort. part-time yeah. ministry kind of something. So you, you have other... I can't you know. afford to do it full-time okay. just That's, yet, but the goal is to do yeah. it full-time. Well, my, my next question was going to be, uh, then how are, how are we getting funding here in order to do this? If you're if you're being able to, to uh, have income for yourself coming from it, then that money's got to come from somewhere. Right. <laughs> okay. So do you have a website? 
Yeah, we have a website. Okay, you want to give that out? Yeah, it's org. F for fathers, B for brothers, S-O-N-S dot O-R-G. Now, if you were going to give a message to this radio audience saying that this is how you could help this ministry, what would it be? Well, the first thing is to pray for us because it's a faith-based organization and we always need prayers sent up to God about direction and support. Uh, and of course, we always all nonprofits need financial support. Sure, you know, especially when you're serving the least of these. So, yeah, yeah. that would be helpful. And yeah. then I think uh, also we're looking for partnerships with um, white churches. Okay, that's that's critical. Okay, you know, because FBS can serve as a conduit for ministries looking to do good here locally. Okay, now white churches, mm-hmm. what would you want them to do? I would want them to sit down and talk. <laughs> About things on our mind. <laughs> About things on our mind. Okay. You know, and then, for starters, okay. you know, just so that we can deal with some of the issues, deeply rooted issues that need to be uprooted. Concerning. Issues concerning. Concerning race okay. and separation and segregation. Okay. You know, Tallahassee is probably one of the economic, most economically uh, disparate communities in the country, unfortunately, and I see it. One of my one of my motivations for starting Fathers, Brothers, and Sons because I do play a lot of golf, yeah. And I'm either playing with all black people or all white people. Really, very seldom is there a good, healthy mix of both. Huh? Yeah. And that's because why? Well. Birds of a feather tend to flock together. (laughs) And we don't make the effort to. One of the biblical tenets that I built or God gave me for fathers, brothers, and sons was in uh, Ephesians um, 4.2. And it says, make every effort to maintain unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. Right. You know, and it takes effort. Unity takes effort. And we just, we don't always give that effort. And that's true. That's true. But I'm going to say this. I have pastored uh, the church that I'm pastor of for uh, right at 43 years. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we have had uh, black families be a part of our church. They've always been welcome and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, I've said many times, I don't care what color you are. But nobody, but they don't come. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so, the, so this is a, it's a bridge that has to be both ways. Mm-hmm. You know what so, because what you just said, the birds of a feather flock together. Well, maybe some people just enjoy that type of worship. They just want to worship with people like themselves. But, but I don't know that. Uh, well, let me let me go back. Uh, you've heard Sean Hannity, the talk show guy, big national talk show guy. I've heard the name. I don't okay. really know him. Well, this has uh, been a few years ago. There was something that happened and he had some uh, black ministers come on the show and he kept saying that over and over and over again. He said, well, why don't we worship together? Why don't we worship together? Mm-hmm. And and I kept wanting to say, well, because people choose not to. <laughs> they just choose not to for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. See? Um, you know, I mean, I have uh, a, a black family in my church and we, we love them like we would anybody else. Um, we would invite more. But again, there's choice because if, if people want to, whatever church they want to go to, that's fine. So, uh, you know, that bridge thing we're talking about here, I think the, the talking <laughs> and the communication is a huge part of it. 
but then you, you know the word you used is want to <laughs> right do we want to that's critical yeah do we want to is it important to anybody mm-hmm. to be able to break through the culture barriers or the racial barriers is it important because mm-hmm. it's not important they won't and if people are just content to to live in their culture and not venture out then nothing's going to be changed mm-hmm. as such well i mean truthfully i mean if you think about it i mean what motivation do you have to do it true uh, other than wanting to know the rest of your family or the, the love of god right that that's was, what i meant when yeah. i say the rest of your family yeah as, yeah. as believers yeah if, if we're just motivated by the love of god because god loves people regardless of the race god just loves people mm-hmm. and so if if our heart is to have the hearts of of our heavenly father then that would cause us to venture out but again mm-hmm. most of the time we just kind of Go about our lives. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, now, we're going to play a little music here. When we come back, the second thing that's on you mentioned your testimony. We're going to go there. Okay. When we come back. But right now, as we do here on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show, you know, Pastor King, he likes that Southern Gospel music. This is the McCamey's. It's called Pure Satisfaction. I got pure satisfaction as I'm walking with my Lord. As I'm walking with my Lord. There you go. Your satisfaction as I'm walking with my Lord. That's the McCamey's here on the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and I'm also the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We're in a storefront there on Capital Circle. If you're heading from uh, Mayhan Drive, you cross over Easterwood where you turn into Tom Brown Park. Just a little bit past that. Just is on the right-hand side of the road. We put our signs out there on Sunday morning. FRCM.US. That's the uh, website. You can find us there. We love visitors. And uh, Brother brother Jaworski, did I say it right? Jaworski? Close enough. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Brother Vance. <laughs> we invite people to Freedom Road. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your color is. We we just love people. And we say that. We're a church that loves people. Also, this show will be on the podcast. If you want to listen to it again or share it with a friend, it's show number 1043. So you can write that down. And then don't forget to join me Monday through Friday for the Gospel on the Radio broadcast here on 94.1, a daily teaching of the Word of God. And then uh, Saturday night, 7 o'clock. The Saturday Night Gospel Sing with me, Pastor Jack King. We have a great time. <laughs> now, Brother Vance, we said we're going to have you share your testimony. Tell us, take us back to Mississippi and bring us back to Tallahassee. Oh, man. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, part of what I was telling you was I, um, <laughs> I recently was talking to someone she asked me she said how you get the name Jaworski right I stopped to help one of my neighbors do some yard work and I told her I said well my mom was uh, hoping I could get her out of the ghetto 
And Ron Jaworski was a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, and she thought that I could be a quarterback. Okay. And, you know, help her with that. And how'd that work out? I don't like football. <laughs> <laughs> I like golf. You golf, you football is mm, no. Nah, I don't like football. Uh, I have my reasons, right? <laughs> now, do you even watch it at all? I try to watch it with my fiance because she likes it, but no, I'm not a fan. Uh-huh. It doesn't really do a whole so lot. So she's a thoughts. fan and you're not. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just I just do it so I can check out some quality time with. That's, I, I that's one of her love okay. languages, but no, I'm <laughs> not a big big thing for me. But anyway, I w- I was saying that because you know my mom had what I think most black or African American single moms' dreams are. And that is for them to get out of the ghetto. And one of the ways they see that being done is through athletics. And that's where my name came from. But I'm a nerd. I'm athletic. You know, I'm very athletic. Yeah, you look, you look athletic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. appreciate that, Pastor King. But um, I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> In other words, you're smart. <laughs> well, I'm, no, I'm a nerd. Okay. I'm well, smart, what's the difference? I, I thought nerds well, were smart. Yeah, nerds are smart, but a, a nerd, you have smart people, then you have nerds. Nerds really love learning and information, just okay. dig into the nth degree, and that's me. Um, but anyway, I, w- I was telling you that because that was part of the culture, because, you know, we were poor. She was poor. Mississippi is poor. It's one of the poorest states in the Union. So with poverty comes a great deal of uh, strife and stress. And so uh, what is the, the, I'm trying to get the connection here. Well, you were asking me about my testimony. Yeah. So yeah. You know, coming from a very poor background, I was a nerd. My mom right. wanted me to be a football player. Um, and then somewhere along the way, my dad killed himself. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And how were you when that happened? It was one week before my ninth birthday, 1985. So did this define you in a lot of ways going, going forward? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, activated some, it activated some DNA in me that wasn't supposed to be activated until later on in life. Uh-huh. You know, that's one of the unique things I found out about death. Death is a, a great, I call it the great reckoner. Huh. You know, just as an example, when... It was one week before my ninth birthday. I didn't really know my father's family, so and they didn't really know me because I didn't spend a lot of time with him. I didn't really know him. Uh-huh. And so, but when the funeral came with these people that I didn't know, I did have an uncle, one of his brothers, who would swing by to check on me occasionally. Um, he told me that he had been drinking. He was drunk. He said, hey, boy, okay, it's time for you to be a man now you know because he was really upset about his brother uh-huh. he loved me to death because I was always a very smart child very respectful and so he told me uh, it was time for me to carry he wanted me to carry the casket with be a pallbearer be a pallbearer yeah. so I was a pallbearer and I don't think my dad's side of the family they may not even know to this day that I may have been a pallbearer on my birthday Oh my goodness! Because remember, it was one. Week yeah, before. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact date that he died, uh-huh. but for my birth, that was my. That's birthday. what you're doing on your ninth birthday. That was, that's what I was. Doing. Yeah, that'll stick in your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that'll stick in your mind. You know, as a child, it wasn't the best experience, but looking back as a man, um, God is amazing. Yeah, you know, I've been a pallbearer bearer for a bunch of my friends. I've got a lot of old friends and. That's just been kind of one of my 
assignments in huh. life. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> and I think my dad, well, I know with certainty, my dad was the first one huh. that I did that for. So all of this is, is helping to shape your concept of life and of people, circumstances, God. Where, where did God fit in this in your mind? There was no God. There was okay. no God in my mind. So where did that come along later? Well, then um, when... I had to bury my father. I, I remember nights I would sit up in my bed saying, if you are real, make that picture fall off the wall. Huh. If you're real, if you're really there, let me see him again. You know, late nights, three o'clock in the morning. And of course, none of that ever happened. And I was angry. Uh -huh. I was, you know, really upset at God for my circumstances, you know, and not just, and that's the thing about what I was telling you about my name and Mississippi and the discrimination and in hindsight you know I'm an empath so you don't know you're an empath if you're a child if nobody tells you okay. and ex explains it to for, you for those of us who are not clear exactly what is an empath an empath is somebody who senses other people's feelings and emotions deeply okay some, some empaths feel it physically um, I feel feelings spiritually mentally and emotionally Okay. Like I can feel if a person is feeling depressed, I feel it. Okay. Yeah. So now, again, where did God come into the picture? Well, like I said, he, I was angry with him for years. Yeah. Until I came to Tallahassee okay. and um, I started. Well, he was there the whole time because if I look back in hindsight, there were a number of people who would talk to me and love on me despite my rebellion mm -hmm. and pain right and so I think when I turned 21 the same year I started playing golf actually um, I gave my life to Christ okay and did anything lead up to that had you had somebody witness to you or how did it, how did you come to that oh yeah oh yeah it was a barrage of people it took a whole bunch of people <laughs> to get to you huh? <laughs> so you came to Tallahassee now being a nerd I'm assuming that you made good grades in school yeah and yeah. so why did you choose Florida State or no not Florida State FAMU FAMU yeah well I chose FAMU because it was the best HBCU in the nation and I refused to go to a white institution uh huh I said at the time I was at the time I was a black militant Okay. okay, I didn't have any love for white people. Wow, you know, I was as a little boy. I saw my mom stranded on the side of the road one day in Mississippi, and her car was overheating, and it was a really, really hot Mississippi day. And I don't know, you know, hot in Mississippi is different. Okay, <laughs> it's slow. Time slows down. But anyway, it was a hot day, and we were stranded on the side of the road, and two young white males drove by in a pickup truck and threw ice on her. Oh, great. And kept going. My dad was nowhere around, and she was just needing help. There was nothing I could do, but there was something I wanted to do. Uh -huh. So, you know, a number of different stories like right. that. Yeah, and so if something like that it just makes it faster, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It just adds fuel to the fire. Okay. Instead of it being ice, it was heat, Right. you know, thrown on me, and... So when I had an opportunity, I could have gone to any school in the nation. You know, I was just that smart. I was a smart kid, uh -huh. but I was angry and bitter. Right. And so I said, I'm not going to any white school. I'm going to go to an HBCU. 
and I'm not sharing my gifts and talents with them, I don't really want to hear what they have to say. Okay. So you chose FAMU? Yep. Okay. Chose FAMU. And then uh, when you arrived here and you still had a lot of these feelings in your heart, something happened to cause you to change? Oh, yeah. I mean, God. God's always there. He's always pulling us to calling us to him in some way mm-hmm. one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Psalms 19 This says every day the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands no words are used wow and when I was a little boy angry at God um, talking about his existence I knew he was there or I wouldn't have been talking to him I was just mad right and then the, the the anger was based upon your circumstances as far as living in poverty, the mm-hmm. death of your dad, and what else? I think the biggest thing, Pastor King, was being um, not being understood or, uh-huh. rec- or recognized. Okay, you know, because in that type of environment, you you're just trying to survive, so. How do you help a gifted child that's trying to do the same and he's gifted? Okay. Let me ask you this. Were there other people in your life that they did not understand your desire for academics? I mean, you, you obviously you, you obviously like, as you said, you like studying, you like learning, this sort of thing. Were there other people that you knew that you grew up with that, that they didn't have those same pursuits? Yeah. And, and did, did did that affect anything in your in your mind? In other words, the other people weren't as driven as you are. Mm, yeah, there were plenty of people that way, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of peers who were as driven. Right. Okay. So that as you, I'm, I'm assuming you were going to high school and wherever, whatever city you lived in, mm-hmm. was it a, a quality school? Would you consider it a quality school? No. Okay. So you were, you probably in that school were were rising above as far as because of your ex, your academic uh, pursuits. Right. Did, did you become like the uh, valedictorian of your class and that sort of thing? No, I wasn't ever the valedictorian. I was never really that serious about academics. Okay. I just because I wasn't going through I didn't attend a school that required me to work that hard to make good grades uh-huh. because K through 12 in Mississippi I went to school predominantly black schools and poor communities matter of fact we only had I probably could count the number of white people who went to school with me on one hand K yeah. through 12 but uh, uh, somewhere along the line it was this desire to go to college came along so how did that happen well, I mean, I always knew I was going to go to college because that was just a natural progression because in high school I was involved in a lot of scholastic programs, right? mock trial and student government, things of that nature. So you would come in the presence of coaches and, you know, just become aware of possibilities. So right. college was never not an option for me. It wasn't necessarily something that was preached in my, my home because my mom went to college, I think, one year. Um, it wasn't anything that was kind of encouraged. It was just something I always knew I would do. Right. But now how did you, how could you afford it? I knew I was going to get a scholarship. Uh, academic? Yes. 
Okay. Cause yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm drawn from that because she said you really didn't. Uh, I guess maybe I misunderstood. I mean, the, the brains have always been there, but always not always the application. In other words, to become valedictorian or whatever, you, if, if you had more of a uh, – uh, desire to strive a little harder, you could have done that easily because you had to, you had the brains to do it. <laughs> right. But, but you didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> okay. So, but, but it was enough, I'm assuming, to, to be able to get the scholarships. Yeah. Yeah, it was enough. I mean, I did well on the standardized test and I understood how the system worked. By the time it was time to consider college, I pretty much understood what I needed to do to get there. Okay. And even though you had to pay out-of-state rates, you came to Tallahassee. Yeah, I had a full scholarship that covered my out-of-state tuition. Covered everything. Yeah. So, now, were there other institutions that offered your scholarships, too? I had scholarship offers all over the country. Really? But you chose FAMU. I had. I chose FAMU. Any particular reason? Other than the fact that it was a, a black school. No, that was it. That was it. <laughs> but but there's other black schools. I mean, no, because yeah. it was the best black school. Well, here's, here's why I chose FAMU. FAMU, at the time, I was considering... Uh, going to school as a pharmacist to become a pharmacist and a doctor later be a doctor okay but that was all just and then family had a good program to help you they had a good pharmacy program but then they also had other alternatives that if I decided to change my mind I had other options I see okay so those are good reasons oh yeah (laughs) I'm just trying to trying to get it all figured out and helping the radio audience to be able to understand uh, your frame of mind and the direction of your life because where you because where you are now is it you are a person you're trying to help other young men who they're in the same situation in their life they're they're dealing with circumstances they're dealing with anger they're dealing with uh, who who am I as far as my color or whatever? Why does all that matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, these these young men that are coming to you now, they're where you were. <laughs> and your heart, if I'm understanding this right, is to help them straighten it all out, have a good life, walk a good path. And one of the things that you have to do or they have to do is they have to learn how to cope. Is that a good word? Overcome. Uh, overcome. I think coping holds on to the problem. Okay, I like your word better, to, to overcome. And also to forgive. Right. <laughs> Is that asking too much? Am I talking about teaching people just to forgive? No. No. That's a requisite. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to do that in order right. to experience God's grace. Well, I think, I'm just looking at my clock here, and I know we're running out of time, just to kind of kind of wrap all these things up, because we've talked about a lot of different things here. Mm-hmm. When you listen back to the show, you'll be amazed at how much we've, we've covered here. But the thing about it is, that one of the things that we talked about was that if, if there's to be racial harmony, there has to be a desire for it. In other words, if, if people just have unforgiveness in their heart, and they're just harboring that, harboring that unforgiveness, with no desire to do anything about it, then that's that's where they'll be. And as a as a nation, and as a society, if this is where we want to be, that's where we'll be. But if there's a desire to change it, so how do we get that desire in people's hearts? I don't know that we can invoke that desire. I think that has to be something that God does. Yeah. But I think we have to be willing vessels to continue to work on our own hearts. Yeah, good point. And yeah. uproot, you know, it's kind of like the scripture that talks about, you know, be careful if you judge other, unless you yeah. end the judgment on yourself. Yeah. You know, don't look at the sawdust in your brother's eyes while you have a plank in your own. Right. 
Because going back to this this uh, brother that uh, you worked with that that uh, got you playing golf, mm-hmm. he crossed that barrier mm-hmm. because he he didn't. I mean, I don't know what your relationship was in the beginning, but somewhere along the line, y'all became friends. Am I right? Yeah. And uh, and at that point, the color didn't matter anymore, did it? Didn't matter at all. I think we have a formula here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't you think? Sit down and talk. Sit down and talk. Yeah. Uh, get out of your comfort zone and 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 just talk to people and you'll be amazed at uh well uh let me just tell you this real quick and i'm again i'm looking at my clock here this is a few years ago there was something going on nationally where there was a lot of racial strife and it was coming across the radio that black people don't like white people da, 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 you know and that that'll come across from the media a lot of times I'm at the, the convenience store out near where I live. My van's broke down. I'm underneath the hood doing something. And this guy walks up to me and says, hey, what's the problem here? Next thing I know, he's helping me fix my van. He's black. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll send it down to me. He said, wait a minute. This man's helping me. He don't hate me. Because <laughs> see, that's what the media is trying to say, that we, that we all hate each other. And I'm going, this man doesn't hate me, and I don't hate him. We're just fixing my truck. <laughs> And I think a lot of times we have to keep that in mind, too. See, sometimes the media wants us to hate one another, mm-hmm. but we don't have to. We don't have to. Well, I'm looking at uh, 51 seconds here, and we have to have prayer before we go. Brother Vance, it's been great to have you on the show. This has been a different show. <laughs> uh, I'm learning a few things. i got to have you me. back. we got to pick this conversation up somewhere along the line. Anytime, let me know. Father God, thank you for this opportunity just to be able to talk and Father God I just pray in the name of Jesus Lord that you would just bless us as a people and Father we pray for peace around the world we pray for peace in Jerusalem and the nation of Israel and Father God these things we pray in Jesus name Amen Brother Vance thanks for coming and being on the show thanks for having me until next Sunday morning may the Lord bless you